Welcome to Advanced Fashion Disruption, with co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville, where we discuss the tragic, the predatory, the glory, and the deep beauty of fashion. Hey, Benson, this is our very first episode. This is the episode episode. This is the meat stuff. We had the drama and the spice. Now we're getting to the stew. Right. And I think that part of um, the introspection is really important because the worldview that we have towards fashion and how we will begin this discussion really comes from our own experiences and what we see happening to others around us. Amen. That's absolutely oh. true. So <laughs> let's dive headlong, and right? Our eyes, my eyes have seen a lot of shit. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it seems that I call it the Project Runwayification of fashion. Uh, it seems that mm-hmm. Project Runway paints this picture where people can stressfully put together a your gown by midnight and finish in the morning. And and I I don't I I, I have it on good authority from folks who've been on that the timing is a little bit different in reality. Uh, but 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 folks have a very romantic notion about what. Um, mm-hmm what fashion is and what it's about and uh, how to do it. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. So this episode is all about that, the romantic notion of being a fashion designer. And I think that because of all of the television uh, microscope um, reality shows um, have made it look one, extremely easy to do, Two, that happens in the American style of immediate gratification. And three, that once, you know, a person is off the show, um, that they're fine. They went on with their lives, that there's no aftercare. And so, again, you know, I I feel like there is a missing step um, to the completeness of um, all of this and that it's that it's really hard work. I love how much um, you are interested in the aftercare. That is such a such a mom <laughs> stance. Like you know, for me, that's like I I know you got a bloody nose. Let me wipe it and I'll get the fuck back to work. But but I but I do yeah. agree that there you know I I come off sort of as a harsh asshole sometimes I suppose. But you know that I am actually we will probably continue to talk about that. But you you know that I am actually an incredibly compassionate, sensitive, kind guy. Um, well, and pushed further, you know, it, if somebody is willing to go that distance with you, like receive the criticism and then go, okay, so talk to me about it. You'll, that's the only way people are going to learn things. And I think that um, being a mom um, and being in a more introspective part of my life, I think it allowed me to realize that this is the missing key for everything that's going on in fashion. It, it is, from um, models throwing themselves out of windows to um, designers, <laughs> designers collapsing and exhaustion and despondency. Uh, no one, no one- Or other designers- No one cares, ahead, no baby. one ever shows any care. Uh, it, or designers showing up at runway shows and getting so drunk that they throw up on another designer's collection. Seen it happen. Well, well at the small shows, sure. I, 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 I maybe mm. at some of the bigger shows. I mean, Stephen Sprouse, God rest his soul, was a bit of a, a mess at times, um, but always delightful. Um, 
I, you know, it's it's a lot like being in a codependent, abusive relationship. A lot of these these uh, relationships that people have with small regional fashion shows. Uh, it, it's sort of like watching somebody um, gaslight and abuse their girlfriend. To me, like, and you give them advice, and they never take it, and you're like, oh. That's why you're feeling this way. And then, you know, a couple months later, here they come again and like, oh, it's just a, it's a it's a really vicious cycle. And that's part of the reason why we're doing it, this yes. is that I'd really like to bring some light on it. And, and so cycle, you know, part like of you can't keep doing the same mm -hmm. thing and expecting different results. It's one of the questions I ask young designers and young people all the time is how will you do it differently this time? What is going to make it different? How are you going to be mm -hmm. different? How is it going to change? How are you going to improve? Um, and and for a lot of people, they don't, they don't. And I think mm -hmm. it's because their their egos are being fed uh, to a very large extent by social media. You know, you see it, you see it, something that's an absolute tragedy, and their friends are telling them that they're a genius. I could see threads hanging and I could oh, see the yeah. one sleeve is shorter and I could see, you know, the, the size, the fitting, the fabric selection. Um, the hems the are hem, roping, right, right. The, you know, are twisting on the legs because they weren't cut correctly. Um, all of that. And, and why would they listen to some cranky old man or some um, beautiful buxom woman uh, tell them that what they've done is fucked? I, and I'm sure that you say it much more elegantly than I do, but I'm like, wow, that's a fucking tragic mess. Um, what were you thinking? And you know, I do that to me too. You, I, you remember that that situation mm -hmm. that we did at uh, South by Southwest in Austin that year, and their Fashion by West or mm -hmm. Fashion South by Fashion, South by Fashion—that's what they were calling it. Uh, when when we uh, got a group of designers and uh, set up our own little market spot on their vending floor, and you remember that I I went through everyone's stuff and and had them pull things that were not sellable, and I pulled two of my own garments. I'm like, oh, these aren't good. That's just yeah. that, you know, it's a business, guys. If, if you're not making money, if you're not a, a, aware of what is expected of you, if you're not aware of what good construction and fit are, you have a hobby. And and a hobby is lovely, but but if you're going to do a be a hobbyist, fashion exhibitionist, you better have a, a, a good day job because it's expensive if you're not going to get a return. Right. And then like work with like a local sewing machine uh, retail store to host your student shows and everybody can get new tools and it'll be fun. And, you know, you can show your things off and talk about it with a similar peer group. Um, but when you're a hobby <laughs> stitcher, so than I am. I, I'm thinking oh, get a fucking Lord. job at Taco Bell and, and just stop. Like if, if you're not going to put the work in, um, and, and there's one young designer in Austin, and I, I won't call anyone out by name, uh, but there's one young designer. Uh, I We offered to help this young designer backstage because they were doing fittings an hour before the fashion show. You can't do well, that. It, it does happen. I mean, it's happened to me. Uh, something does. ribs, something like the... the uh, model that, that was going to wear the signature piece or the, the finale piece doesn't show up or gets sick or is mm -hmm. vomited or isn't a, you know, a fiery car crash, God forbid, that has happened. Uh, it shouldn't she, be typical. It's not typical. <laughs> and she walked away and she was fine. 
but she was not going to make it to the show, obviously. Uh, then I can mm -hmm. see doing it. Um, a, a zipper rips at the last minute. You, you, you got to sew somebody into a dress. That stuff is expected and does happen. Should not be typical, but it does. Yeah. Uh, this is why we come with a whole kit. There's a whole kit. There's a whole backstage kit. I even bring a backstage machine and a backstage serger just in fucking case. Stuff right. happens. I mean, you know, there's I, been times. I, there's been say, times for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But to that extent, like number one, why was this person invited to do a show? And it was it was lauded as and and sold as as the ultimate uh, couture fashion show. No, ma'am. Just because this person is sewing some cheap feathers on from Pottery City does not make it couture. And and why didn't somebody at some point ask to see what they were showing to vet that they had something worth showing? And then uh, and, right, and it's not vetting. Why did this person's ego uh, uh, allow them to refuse help from a seasoned professional who could have made their showing so much better? I had literally three or four of my own people. Um, we were done pressing everything. Everything was steamed. Everything was ready. Our models were getting dressed. We could have spent an hour and and totally elevated him uh, to where he wouldn't have been an embarrassment to me. And and, and okay, so it was self-serving, Megan. I don't want to show with this schmuck mm -hmm. with these half-sewn clothes uh, because that doesn't mm -hmm. serve me. There's not not any part of me that thinks that being the best in the show. Um, when when I am the best by 120 miles is ever going to be good for me. Uh, you know, I my my star can only rise as high as the other stars. And if I'm not in a show with people who are like minded and whose stuff is quality, I what what why was I desperate enough to do that show? Would be my professional question if I were a buyer. Like, what happened here? Right, and like, and when I'm doing shows and they put me in the middle or towards the beginning, I'm like super duper because I'm gonna be able to keep people here. Yeah. I've never, I've like, I've never ended a show unless it's been one I've okay. hosted. So, and so, I, like, I, watching that happen, I I've been like, okay, I'll, I'll keep you people for here that. for you. I pray for being put. Like, let me start the show so my old ass can go mm. home. Um, but I will tell you, <laughs> We're packing up, babies. Uh, Let's there go. There's <laughs> only been one person, one show I've ever done where they didn't insist that I go last, and that was mm. that was two points. One was everyone knew that most of the people were there to see what we were going to do. And no one wanted to follow us. We yeah. had uh, one, one store owner here in Detroit. This is back in the mid to late nineties um, who insisted that they go, that they be the finale. And I was like, please, if I can, if I can leave here just 10 minutes sooner, I'm all about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so they followed us and uh, he came after the show and said we should never follow you again i'm like well you know, <laughs> just, guy we yeah, work we work that... for a month we choreograph everything it, it is it is an mtv video live on stage it, it, it would be in the old days it would have been a dinner show but um so you know there's there's so much to consider uh and, yeah, and what, what does it mean to be a professional thing. I mean, technically, the first time you sell a garment, you are now a professional designer because you have made money. Because mm -hmm. um, somebody's consumed it. There yeah. are levels. There are levels that you have to work for. And and, and like climbing a lot of stairs, you're going to build muscle. It's going to be exhausting. You're going to think that the stairs will never end. But you're going you're gonna to climb them a flight at the time 
until you have the keys and the um, stamina to actually have a career. I mean, would you agree with that? It's true. Like you, it's definitely a level up, level up, level up kind of yes, career where you put in the time and effort in front of a machine. You put the time and effort in front of textiles, feeling how they work. You put the time and effort in taking things apart that um, have a shape that you really find inspiration in and make derivatives from. Um, and so like it is like this um, chronicling of skills and building those skills to be able to reach that romanticized v vision that everybody seems to have about a fashion designer of like looking at a sketch or having a mind's eye of a design and then coming up with um, whatever your pattern process is, whether you do draping or whether you do flat, that your like mind's eye, this thing that you want to create becomes a 3D thing on another human. I, I, I know a lady that once draped some slacks. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, and you did a brilliant job, but I was like, wow. Uh, huh. She draped some slacks. That was a whole hell of a lot more work than she needed to do, but bless her heart. Um, you're, you're, you're right. I, and I'm going to use a better. Didn't I'm know going better. to use a corporate <laughs> fashion term, which is also uh, an academia term. There is absolutely scaffolding that has to happen. You cannot produce couture <laughs> until you've learned to sew a fucking t-shirt. You cannot call it couture mm. if you do not know how to press a seam. You cannot call it couture if you use glue. You cannot call it couture. <laughs> iron on iron on yeah steam I, tape. I spray painted this and it is culture culture well, that's your texas thing i actually heard i heard you do how and i said i surely do <laughs> hashtag, I surely hashtag do. I do and actually technically what i do is not hope culture not all the time but there are some gowns that are absolutely hope culture or hope culture um but I do demi-couture, which means that I am using sewing machines to put the bodies of the garments together um, and everything else, all of the augmentation and all of the details and all of the finery and frippery is done by hand. That is called demi-couture. Right. Because we don't have the type of sewing houses um, that larger, more established, like decades, decades, decades old houses do have for that hand sewing and that designation, so right? Secret. No one's really doing <laughs> culture anymore. Well, not uh, anymore. Every, Everybody's every doing demi. Houses, every one of the sanctioned houses uh, that, that are sanctioned by the French couture panel are doing demi couture. Everyone is sewing bodies and garments together and then doing the augmentation. And that's really where the art is anyway. Um, it, it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense to hand stitch seams anymore. The machines do it faster. No. They do it more efficiently. The garment's going to be better sewn with those machine lock stitches or with uh, overlocked or marrowed seams. Well, and I would say that probably 60% or better of the Dior exhibit that came through Denver right before the pandemic was an exhibition of textile manipulation as opposed to construction. And yes, they had the garments out, but you weren't looking at the construction of the garments. You were looking at the details that were applied to those base structures. And so that goes back to, you know, being a designer and figuring out what your base voice is and then giving it 
you know, your, your signature of embellishment, whatever it How happens to be. How many of the young designers that are listening think, oh my God, I have to learn to do, I have to learn to do beading and fabric manipulation. That is not actually the case. Um, you should no, know how so you should know how you should know how you should be able to but uh the truth of the matter is is that if you become successful enough you will have a house you will have an alpha in your couturier or in your atelier uh who is in charge of bringing your visions out um you need to know construction you need to know embellishment techniques uh because your job is beyond illustration and choosing fabrics and being the art director you need to know when something's not being done to spec or being done the way you want it done. You really want to to have the respect of the people that sew for you. And that's very much a European model. Here in the United States, we actually do expect our designers to have a bit more technical skill uh, than the Europeans do, where they're called modalists. And the job is just to select the fabrics and create the vision and then sort of uh, create the show. But here we like our designers to actually know how to make a thing and to be able to interface with the manufacturers to tell them what's going on. So it's important to know how. Doesn't mean that you will. Now, Megan will tell you, sometimes she and I are the ones that are chained to the sewing machines, living off of ramen noodles and miso soup, uh, being the only ones in the atelier constructing, making everything, cutting, press, pressing our seams, pressing mm-hmm. all of our seams as we construct and, and finishing and then uh, detailing and embellishing. But there are times that I am one of 20 and my job is really to walk around and answer all of the questions and give all of the directions. And I will throw in if, if uh, I find that we're falling behind or if I need to show somebody how I want something done. But my job is not to sit in the chair 20 hours a day. I don't have to all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and with a, an older body, I know that that's not possible for me older. and that my production is limited. How old are you? Um, I am 48 You are talking right now. to a man who is a decade older and who had far more sex in the So 80s. you're going to corroborate. <laughs> I'm a worn out old whore. Um, no, you're absolutely right. It is sometimes physically painful. I, I can still do it. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 uh, you want to reach a level of success where you're the art director and the principal designer. That's where you want to reach at, if you're going to have a career. Uh, but but mm-hmm. look, in fashion, that's not the only career. If we look at the statistics, yeah. if we look at the labor statistics from the United States, fashion designers make up the very, 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 very smallest portion of the workforce. Every other job totally under true. them, including the guy that's cleaning the toilet, which is honestly just as important as the guy designing the clothes. A dirty toilet can make the whole business grind to a halt. Um, everybody's job is everyone's important. job is equally important. And there's more there's the more scaffolding there. Yeah, everyone depends on everyone. Uh, without the crew, the designer has nothing. And without the designer, the crew has nothing to work on. So it's a gestalt. It is an absolute um, a gestalt of talents and ideas. But but that doesn't mean that you have to be one of the 3% at the top. You may find that your passion ends up being in textile design. You may find the first time that you sit at a, at a table and begin to do hand beating that that is the thing that you love. You may be the person who wants to design socks for kids. And that's all okay. Those are all real jobs. And, and they bring people who do mm-hmm. them pleasure. 
Right. And and if you're not deriving pleasure from the thing it is that you're doing, you're either doing it wrong or you need to switch gears and find out what the focus yeah, should be. <laughs> but, you know, this this idea that um, so many of the people that are trying to introduce themselves into the fashion community saying things like, you know, we're putting on fashion week and you're going to get the type of exposure when people like you and I have gone to LA and we've gone to New York and we've seen what goes on at an actual and fashion Miami. week and, and, Chicago. and, my, and, and Dallas and, and you like, know, the places where there's real commerce going on where, you know, I, I always remind people it is called the fashion industry, the mm -hmm. apparel industry. It is a massive, complex, money-generating industry. Yeah. And I think that that's why people putting on these shows really have latched onto it because there's just this romantic idea of what a fashion show is, but pimps. then... Because their, <laughs> their, no, their behavior and, and the way that they that they they corral young talent is so pimp like that it's disgusting. Well, you know, and I like my nature is to want to laugh at something that is so uncomfortable because I do make lingerie and I'm very focused on um, being respectful. And but it's hard not to laugh at that whole. Thing because it's easier for me to get mad and laugh and walk away right. and not actually talk about it. And that's not helpful. That's not helpful. But what is helpful is saying like it, it's in many ways predatory behavior in that there is no uh, portion of the entire event that makes sure that designers um, have a sustainable experience after the show where they're selling things so that they can keep designing or that they have all the connections they need to have to be able to produce a wholesale order from somebody that attended if that happens i mean like that's on the outside and that's why we're talking about this um but like the idea of having a runway show is to get your items in front of people that are going to buy them and put them in shops. Or if they're a scout for multiple shops, that they will disseminate that information to their people that they're representing of like, this is an up and coming designer. You ought to really check them out. They have all their ducks in a row. Um, they can do production or they have production in their hometown or it's all squared away. They're ready to roll. But what's going on now is a party. It and a I love a party, party, but. And, and, and some of the stuff on the runway is gorgeous. There are some incredibly talented people in the smaller hubs of oh apparel. Incredibly talented people. Uh, and, and, you know, they'll buy their way to the magic market in Las Vegas or the, or, or the market in New York and, and come away having spent $30,000 to, to have that experience with no sales. And they don't understand that it's not because their work wasn't good enough. It's because they were not ready to be scaled up for uh, uh, sales to a major retailer or even to a small boutique. No one's going to buy mm -hmm. your beautiful gowns if you do not have uh, uh, fulfillment, if you do not have a manufacturer who is going to make them or a plan. 
No one uh, is going to buy from you if you don't have the good goddamn sense to have a tech pack and a lookbook. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're saying I'm a home mm -hmm. sewer and I can sew exactly 12 of these dresses in a week. And and they need mm -hmm. to buy 120. Well, honey, they don't have that much time. They don't have 10 weeks. They want them now. It's mid-season. So, and so you have to decide, are you a type of business that wants to wholesale or do you want to, you know, keep that label in-house where you're doing limited things, but you've got to be a little bit more savvy about it other than like, well, it just walked down the runway. It's not for sale. I don't know. Maybe you can see me in a couple of days about it. Like that doesn't, that model doesn't work. Oh, thank God. I, I'm just getting news that um, the young man who was missing from a gay bar here in Michigan has been found safe. Oh, uh, that's yeah, great yeah. news. He's a, he's a sweet guy and 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 uh, has some uh, a history of mental health. Um, uh, apparently, his phone pings a tower in Kentucky, and having once lived in New Orleans, I, I imagine that they traced him down, and he is safe and, and returning to his family. Thank goodness. Okay, that having mm -hmm. oh, oh, and and you know uh, he's part of our fashion community here in Detroit, so it's relevant. And life happens. Okay. You see. Life happened right now mm -hmm. to me while we were discussing something very important. Well, and that's just as equally important. Like it's time to give honor to all of these moments in our yes. lives. There's a reason why yes. that pops up is to be able God, to give it that yes. moment. Let's stop pretending that we're automatons. The way we do mm -hmm. fashion has been driven by the retailers looking to make the highest profit for the lowest um, uh, amount of, of uh, financial output to buy stock. We need to stop that mm -hmm. cycle. We need to stop that cycle there, I, and for so many reasons. And that's a whole different podcast about three episodes from now where we're going to talk about sustainability. But um, mm -hmm. there's a whole business, guys. There's a whole huge, massive ass business. How many of you people that are, 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 are running and giving money to party promoters so that you can sail your shit down a runway so that you can feel like you're a legitimate designer? Uh, how many of you have ever cracked a fashion business book? How many of you have a business plan or a growth plan? How many of you have ever even mm -hmm. been to a manufacturing facility to see how it's done? How many of you think that you're going to sell one-offs? How many of you are depending on your curvy model that you fit a dress to to actually buy the dress to make any money? How many of you have piles and piles of things that you made for your friends because you didn't understand standard sizing that you will never sell? And now you're thinking about, I don't know, garage selling them away for costumes. These are all legitimate questions. What? And by the way, why people hate me. <laughs> well, and it's true, like people who are novice will make these monumental mistakes in thinking, okay, um, you know, and it's the difference between our previous talk about being relevant and staying relevant in that it's, it's the, these fashion shows are not a way to stay relevant unless certain things are in place and you are going to get a benefit from that an added cost or a, a something that brings value to you as a designer in your pocketbook to keep going and doing what you're doing. That is the only way that that model is going to work. But these younger designers think that relevancy means like I got to keep doing these shows so people can see me out in the public and I got to keep making these social media posts. No, the relevancy is your garments. 
the relevancy isn't relevancy in social media or who's talking about you because the, at the root of it, it's none of your business what people say about you, which is why a lot of times we mute people's names or we call them him or her or they or the you, she. Um, you know, you know I, I, I recently posted on my social media that you wouldn't be quite, because people wouldn't be quite as concerned about what people say about them if they realized how very seldom people talk about them. No mm -hmm. one cares. No one cares. Unless you've got yourself in a little uh, hissy fit cat fight with somebody and you're, you're both putting on your big girl panties to, to go out and knock each other dead. No one's actually thinking about you. You have to make yourself right. relevant. And the way you make yourself relevant in fashion is you put out apparel that is sellable. You put out apparel that is striking. You put out apparel that grabs people's attention. It's not you talking about you. It's people talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's either they like it or they don't like it. It's their style or it's not their style. But that has nothing to do with you because there is going to be a section of people where you fill every tick mark that is in there. I got a fine box. And so like, or note in, in that, like there's somebody out there that will be your consumer, but on a level of professionalism, I think that there is a lot of room for growth for some people who are being patted on the back about what they're putting out there when it's not sustainable or the construction is questionable. I mean, there's a lot going on in not just my local community. It's, you know, community, every, communities yes, nationwide. And, and, you know, people in Austin used to ask me how, who was buying, was anyone buying my clothes? And I said, absolutely. Uh, and they said, how did I do that? And I said, well, you know, um, I have a quality product. It's a high end quality product. I am not concerned with the person that comes in and offers me $800 for a jacket that should cost 8,000. My clients will find me. I will develop my clientele. I will find a clientele to service and I discreetly service them. You know, when I had a, a, a producer, a television producer win an Emmy award and one of my gowns, I, I didn't scream all over the internet about it. And we had Facebook yeah. back then. Uh, this is only, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I didn't talk about it. I didn't mention it until they posted pictures of themselves and tagged me. And then I shared. It was them talking about me. It wasn't me talking mm -hmm. about me. I find myself. Yeah, I got to ask why. Why don't I post more selfies? Because, because quite frankly, I don't find myself that interesting. I'm an old man. All of my years mm -hmm. of, of wanting my ego stroked are long gone. You know, the competitions, all of the competitions, with the exception of black and tan. Um, uh, you know, the mashup team and the compete <laughs> for this and the compete for, because black and tan was always about building skills and building community. It was a very different type of competition and everyone actually won. But all of the competitions, when people would ask me to join their teams and such, I'm like, I'm only interested in one competition. And the way that I win my competition is by servicing my customers and having repeat customers and watching my bankroll grow. That is the win. That is the contest that I'm in. That's the only one. What's well, the only thing? in a capitalistic society that makes being a fashion designer or any aspect along that chain sustainable. Those sales have to be made so that we can pay a photographer. Those sales have to be made so we can pay model hair, makeup, that we can pay for some more fabric so that we can travel the, to the, the head, actual trade the shows that will sell it. It's responsible for generating all of the money that fuels the entire industry. 
And if there is no mm -hmm. product that is being sold, what you are in is a masturbatory abomination cycle. And you end up wearing a diaper. <laughs> Pretty much. Like as it's the finale. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to just page. say it, Megan. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That was just that was that was that was thirty seconds of every goddamn wrong thing in small apparel hub fashion weeks. There it was. Well, and and I think that as we're coming back online from COVID, that having these conversations about the absurdity of all of it. And how are we supposed to rebuild after such a, a devastating financial and brain loss of you know, true skilled artisans in our field, that loss of people, how do we recoup that when we're just going to go back to having fashion party? I just it, like, it's not working for me. I don't understand why hey, other people are doing it. Out how to recoup it. And you know, somebody that wants to finance my return to greatness, please let me know. <laughs> I, right. like, I that's get an it. answer that I don't have that's an answer that I don't have that is an answer I don't I don't yeah. know but it is certainly not going to be doing fashion parties it is not going to be uh working like a a prostitute for a pimp who calls themselves a producer who's actually a party promoter it's not going to happen that way and and we're at a junction and and a juncture and almost a nexus point where what we're doing here could actually turn the tide I we could so. turn the tide really and then these these fashion weeks could become not a, a masturbatory abomination, but they could become viable events and and uh, um, platforms from which to develop markets uh, and, and uh, skills that will get people uh, to the point where they're selling apparel so that people are getting paid. I mean, how many times in the fashion communities online have you watched the photographers and the models fighting about who should pay who? And I'm like, look, I've done, I've done, or who owns the I've pictures, done every or... bit of it. I've been the model, I've been the photographer, I've been the makeup artist, I've been the hairdresser, and I've been the designer. Let me tell you, the only one that should be paying is the designer. If you are making right. images that they are going to use to market and sell their garments, they should be paying. However, if it's a trade, let me tell you, nobody works as hard as the designer. I, I, you're, going, you're going to, you're going to spend two hours shooting a, a couture gown that took me 150 hours to create. Fuck you. Well, and then they have editing time, which, you know, that is, a, again, a cumulative skill set. But you've done editing um, uh -huh. as a photographer before, too. So you have a background knowledge of kind of the intricacies there. So the reality is like, um, yes it takes a it's a manual labor and it's a constant manual labor and we get a little bit faster at it but it's still a manual labor at the end of it and photographers are able to skill build and automate um, portions of what they do and so it does take them less and less time as become more and more skilled and so if they have a, a vision and a mind's eye that you as a designer really must have as a part of your branding great you should be paying that designer and you keep those pictures um and the rights to them um, by paying them and everybody else involved and get all of your contracts out I'll front try. first and you know in my letter to uh, my open letter to young designers and new designers i i there's a line where i say um there will be a time when you think that all exposure is good and there will be a time where you think no exposure is good 
where where trading is is verboten. I will only work for money. And the truth is someplace in the middle. At my level, yeah. at my level, and I've dressed international celebrities, I have lived a life-making fashion, I still trade. I will trade uh, horizontally and vertically. I will trade up. <laughs> if there's a team that's like, you know, uh, uh, would enhance my sellability, would, would bring my garments and my marketing and my editorial to a higher level, I am definitely going to trade up. And it does happen. I can think of a few people that I would just, I would, I mean, I would give them a hand job or a blow job just to, just to get their attention. But uh, I also will trade down. If I see somebody that's super talented and I think if they just had good fashion, if they just had a good makeup artist, if they just had a good creative director, they would level up so quickly. So I will trade down. And then trading vertically is about having fresh content. And everyone's mm-hmm. skill is, is, is worthwhile. And, and when you trade, if you're, if you're feeling bad about a trade uh, for images, then you're not getting images that are valuable enough to you to be trading. So don't. Mm-hmm. Not every trade is good, mm-hmm. but there are many trades that are good. And in the end, if, if I am paying for the images because I'm going to use them to market clothing, everyone gets paid. Yeah. Now, there are there are all sorts of scenarios in there. If there's shooting editorial on spec where the photographer is shooting for editorial and they might get paid and then they disseminate some money. There are all sorts of scenarios in the trade, but um, you can't do everyone, but you can't refuse everyone. It's someplace in the yeah. middle like everything else is. Uh, some of these small yeah. fashion shows are actually well worth doing. Some of them well, are and absolutely that's what I would, I would want to add like these local shows that you and I are just so fed up with that I wish that they would look at shows like the New York um, Small Boutique Fashion Week as a guide, as a rule book for, okay, so this is how this should look and feel. These are how these are the players that you should be inviting to front row. Um, And this is how How, you pay backstage people and get it in front. This is how uh, um, business should be comported. And I will tell you, there was a time where I would have considered Small Boutique Fashion Week uh, an abomination. But they have consistently learned. Mm -hmm. They have consistently applied what they've learned. They have consistently become more and more a prof- I, I don't know that I would do one of their shows because that would impact my branding. I should be doing at the very least a Nolcha show or or the, um, the the Kennedy shows. I mean, I've I've I've, I've been accepted to do uh, New York Couture Fashion Week twice. They keep inviting me, uh, but it's like eighty thousand dollars that I just don't have. But I would pay it because I would have I would have the top models in the industry and and. Uh, so there is a time to pay for things, but then there's a time mm-hmm. not to, and, and you've got another difference. Uh, Small Boutique Fashion Week is doing an amazing job. If I were an up-and-coming or mid-range designer, I would definitely do that because I know that they will they will work to get the kind of press to the show that you need. Didn't, didn't they get you an article? Um, I had Lucky Magazine calling um, to talk to me about one of the pieces that I sent down the runway. And so that would have never happened if I didn't participate in that event in New York and take that time out. Um, 
really is my market. You know, I really felt that um, wholeheartedly through that particular experience. But the downfall of being at that very beginning stage of designing and um, not being ready to scale my own product line, even though I was doing wholesale um, manufacturer for other people, I think was um, something that really hurt my business. And I don't think the U.S. at the time was ready for a high-end um, lingerie up-and-comer who didn't have her shit together. <laughs> and, and at the same time, you had your shit way more together than most people in your position. Mm-hmm. You know, had had some of the uncertainties and some of the unfortunate events and the people who had, who took advantage of So Sister not happened, you would have been in a prime position to to sell. You would have had fulfillment. And Well, and I think that if I had treated that show like what it was instead of what I had experienced in my hometown, that I would have been more prepared. I would have had lookbooks ready. I would have been like, it's in your email, honey. Go ahead and check it. I didn't have my stuff together, period, when I was at well, that show. But, but I, you, I had web presence. I was doing other people's did, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Learn. Can't do that yeah, again. Yeah, Don't want right. to pay for that. And it, it's just like <laughs> Until I'm ready. People who go to market, they, their stuff is amazing. But they don't have the business infrastructure. They don't have all of the things that are green lights. And instead, not having fulfillment, not having a a deal with a manufacturer, not having a scale-up plan, not having a lookbook, not having tech packs, not having flats, not having an actual price list, all of those become red flags to a buyer. Because what a buyer's job is, is to fill real estate in a store. So if they're looking at it's your gonna make them money. they're looking for uh, 12 uh, linear narrow square feet, 12 rectangular feet, okay? They're going to give you two feet wide and eight feet long, and they need to know if they purchase from your ass that your shit is going to show up. Otherwise, it's like when you open the Sunday paper and see a missing ad where somebody didn't get the artwork in on time. That buyer is no mm-hmm. longer a buyer. Because that, that <laughs> right. real estate, that, that eight uh, uh, linear feet of, of real estate may be a million dollars, maybe $100,000 of real estate that needs to be paid for with what they're buying. So they have to have confidence in buying. It's, it, it's not Absolutely. good enough to be a great designer. You've got to be a good business person. You've got to actually get past the feels and all of the, the ego stroking and all of the masturbating and get to the point where you understand that this is a goddamn business, a complex, big, powerful, money-making business. Oh, yeah, totally. And I I understood the manufacturing arm of that, um, having my sewing um, facilities in Texas. But as a brand new green designer, going to New York and thinking it was going to be the same thing that happened in Austin, like, okay, well, it's a show and this is a new market and we might get somebody to like, I didn't, I really was green and naive about, I didn't think anybody was going to contact me. So why have any of that stuff ready? Even though in the back of my mind, I know that that's something that you need to have done and really shooting myself in the foot. I used to scream in Austin. Look, I know that Austin fashion week is, 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 is an abomination but if you do it you cannot depend on that organization to make it worth your time that is actually just not it it, that's the reality if you cannot leverage 
the mm. video, if you cannot leverage the images that are taken, if you cannot leverage just the the prestigious idea that you got to show that the community there holds for uh, the, the prestige that they hold Austin Fashion Weekend, then you're a fucking idiot. It's up to you to leverage the the exposure. And that's true all the way up yeah. the line. I could do New York Couture Fashion Week. I could do it. And if I don't know how to leverage that, if I don't know how to approach the buyers who actually want couture, and by the way, it's not the stores. There are like 32 women on the planet that regularly buy couture. If I don't know mm -hmm. how to market to those 32 women, I, I should just not go. If I can't get Daphne mm -hmm. Guinness to look at my gowns, I don't belong there. You know? If I can't get Grace Jones to wear my gowns, I don't belong there. Now, guess what? Grace Jones has one of my gowns. She loved it. So, And that took me 36 years to achieve. So there's also the fact that you have to be in it for the long haul. There is no instant gratification, ma'am. Oh, no. And it is a long haul thing. And I think that that's also reflective to the smaller scale buying that maybe these up and coming younger designers think that they're going to get from a runway exposure event when the reality is, if you aren't going to personally invite a boutique that has a buyer that you want to be in to your show, you shouldn't be at that show. Exactly. Like I, I like I feel like that might be super reflective about what the endemic problem in um, local fashion shows is that uh, all of these designers are putting so much money into their textile, so much time into their construction, maybe some time fitting. I don't know. The last couple shows they, they were doing fittings sure backstage last minute. And they're not pressing their seams. And there's all of this time crushingly devoted to a show that brings them literally no financial reward to keep going that is toxic in its um, way of display, um, especially when promises are made of like, we'll put you up on the website and people can be linked directly to buy your stuff and none of that's none of that in place. That happens, right? And, 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 and you so, know, we talk about, we talk about the abomination that these are, but look, young designers and new designers and people that are wannabes, y'all are fucking idiots too. It's a two-way street. No fashion show ever is going to guarantee you sales. If you are not ready to be sold, if your construction is not good enough to be carried, if I can't look inside your garments and see a professionally made garment, why the fuck are you selling your stuff down a runway? What the hell are you hoping for? Is it really just an Instagram moment for you? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to just throw that out because because it is a two-way street. It's not just the party promoters. If these people did their research, they would know not to get involved with the party promoter in the first place. Too many young designers think that they're that, that, that doing the fashion show is going to lead to riches and fame, and that's just a lie. Yeah. Work will and lead to riches and fame. Lots of really, really hard, hard work, work and some failures. Until you got some calluses on your fucking fingers, don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. Until mm -hmm. you have so until you can don't talk to me. Until you can tell me what your inspiration is. Oh, <laughs> don't talk to me. Honey, that was so oh, tragic. Oh, what a sweet child. Uh, one or two of those pieces we're talking about somebody that Megan saw at uh, Denver Fashion Week. Uh, one or two of the unique pieces fashion were actually week. unique really fashion quite week. Lovely. 
but when, when you ask that young designer what their inspiration was and they they literally said i don't have inspiration i was like wow like like every erection that people might have had for you just wilted you better <laughs> like again, i can't publish it i can't publish it like it's not no, that would be cruel for me i can't do it and we're not cruel listen we're telling the truth. It may be a little harsh. It may be a little salty, but we're not cruel. We actually want everyone who is listening to excel. And we want you to be healthy while you excel. And we want the abomination to stop. And we want the 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 gaslighting relationships that look like an abusive boyfriend beating you to stop. But we also want you to, to wise up. It's, it's yeah, not what and, you thought. And no, and it takes a lot of hard work to be able to display your garments. And if you wouldn't display them like where people could come up and flip the seams and look at them, I wouldn't send it down the runway. Um, I, oh, oh, um, I is, feel very is, strongly about a that. Sample. A sample of shitty workmanship is what it is. I remember the first time you looked at one of my garments. <laughs> it was a cute little mini, a cocktail, uh, a neon pink silk. And you turned around and looked inside it and got the biggest smile. And I said, what? You said, it's, <laughs> it's well made. It's, it's got a facing. I'm like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was fairly new to looking at people's work in Austin. And, and I, I eventually realized why that made you happy. It was rare. Yeah. Like, and, and part of that satis satisfaction for me as a designer is seeing things well-made interior and exterior and that there's a pride that goes into that. And I, I don't know what's happened to a lot of people's pride in their fashion because you can have avant-garde and you can have funky Project runway and think that it's okay to spit mark silk. <laughs> okay this is what has happened i mean fern malice herself has, has 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 and if you don't know who fern malice is i'm not going to tell you do the goddamn research but she's mm -hmm. she, is, go. she is the everybody um fern malice herself has has said that project runway has had a major negative impact on fashion in america and it's not that it's a bad show or a dangerous show. It just gives a really false perception. And so we have, you know, uh, two decades of young designers who think that that's that that you can spit on silk and and you can eye it. And uh, nope, no, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I, um, I, I, there's a there's a lot to digest. There's a lot to research. If you cannot be a critical thinker. If you are not willing to have a business plan, if you are not willing to explore what being manufactured means, if you don't know what the term scale up is, if you don't know what a lookbook is, if you don't know what a fuck your mood board, I don't give a fuck about your mood board. Have a goddamn lookbook before you try to sell your shit. Have some flats, have some tech packs. All of those are invitations to buy. All of those tell the potential buyer that you are a viable risk. You're a viable candidate to go on their racks. Yeah. And, and that they should jump and take a, that risk with you being there. I mean, like, and that, and that's the whole point is being able to, 
you know, prove your capacity for design, production, visual. It's a lot of hats to be wearing, but like wear it fully. Okay. So maybe you're just a stylist or maybe you just like the sewing and the satisfaction of like, I got 20 of those done today. Like find what your joy is within this fashion, big, you know, like capital letters and a list below it of, you know, what does it mean to be in fashion and figure out what brings you joy. And sometimes it can be multiple hats, but other times like just the hubris and ego that comes into um, that kind of top tier designing part of fashion um, is that you could really be beguiled by somebody who says that, you know, I can, I can get your name out there. I can, um, you get you a lot more exposure for your brand um, because nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's um, you need you. to, and, and you're, you're, you need you're, to do that work I, I yourself. I agree with your last, um, your last statement enough. My last uh, alpha atelier alpha was actually a, a brilliant designer like the, the work that they did uh, costuming was beautiful. They, they were very talented and very creative and yet they knew that they did not mm -hmm. want to be the designer. They simply wanted to make the things they wanted to yeah. work with somebody who didn't make them crazy. They wanted to work with somebody who had a plan. They wanted to work and, and, and had, had uh, a, a couple of really sad situations not occurred um and life happening to both of us uh they would still be with me um but but they knew that that their mm -hmm. place their happy place their spirit place was was being in charge of the atelier being the alpha being the team leader mm -hmm. being the one that came to me to ask me how it should be done being the interface yeah, so like... that i didn't have 22 sewers coming and saying is this right so know your bliss know your bliss and i will tell you Megan, I actually like the production side and am probably better at it than I am at designing. When I took my, mm -hmm. my um, uh, what do they call it, career aptitude test in high school, number one was apparel manufacturing. Number three was designing. Yeah. And I was so pissed off because I knew I was meant to be a designer. <laughs> well, you know, years later when I finally figured out what manufacturing was and, and that I was gifted at it and talented at it and enjoyed it, I still enjoy the making process. I get excited. Porn for me mm -hmm. is looking at new sewing machines. Well, that's right. Like, what that's, does that that's do? What's me <laughs> so, uh, I, interesting that that showed up so early. I love the making part. And designers, you really have, you have to at least be okay with the making part. I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, God, yes. I used to hate pressing seams. You know, I'm, I am always on about the pressing <laughs> Doesn't I, everybody no, start I've hating them? I always my seams, but it was something that I just hated doing because what a bloody pain in the ass. I, I'm going to mention some names here because this is a really beautiful story and no one's going to be upset. So Daniel Escabel, uh, Project Runway, Project Runway All-Stars, um, very popular, very talented designer, amazing man, very friendly, Austin sweet alum. Austin designer. Um, he used to source fabrics. I, I actually designed fabric for a collection for him. Um, and I knew his, his I, I know his mom, Sarah. And um, they came to work on, a, on, a, on a, a set of dresses. I just needed some extra help and they wanted to come and hang out. And I was talking uh, to Daniel about helping him to scale up. And um, I was pressing seams and just having the worst time with it. 
And, and <laughs> Mama Sarah, because that's what I called her, Sarah Esquivel, who used to make dresses for Lady Bird Johnson, I mean, incredibly talented dressmaker, she came over and she stroked my arm and she said, Miho, why are you so angry at the seam? <laughs> and this. I looked at her. I said, what? She said, honey, why are you so angry? You can't make it straight if you're angry at it. Let me show you. She said, first you puff. It relaxes. Now you open it up. And now with love, and I, you know, it changed my mm -hmm. perception. I spent a week researching and looking at, at uh, what, what they call in the UK finishers. The finishers, the person who does the pressing mm -hmm. and the steaming is actually more important to the end garment than the stitcher. No, because they can change because away a, a garment fits for a client. Good, and a good seam can be made to look great, and a shitty mm -hmm. press can make a good seam look bad. So I, I completely trained my, and now I love to press. I love to steam and shape things. So uh, shout out to both Daniel Esquivel and his mama Sarah. Sarah, you changed my my whole life uh, by asking me why I was so angry at the seams. <laughs> and I was. I went story. into the process angry. I didn't go into the process enjoying it. It was something that had to be done. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, like it makes me think of that um, book, Like Water for Chocolate, where, you know, as you are creating um, this food, you imbue it with love and thoughtfulness and the food tastes better, right? So, like, that's kind of my principle around designing for me is that I want to be in the headspace where I'm imbuing intention and love, self-love intention into the garments that I make, because I feel like um, it's a love poem to people and, that are, and, are buying my things. Our energy goes into the things that our hands touch that, uh, that may seem mystical, mm -hmm. mystical. I don't care if it does. It's the truth. And I won't right. approach, I won't approach like, like a wedding gown. If I'm having a shitty day or I'm in a mood, I won't touch it. I don't want to put that mm -hmm. mood and that intention, that energy into the gown. Also, I know that my ability to create and to produce a beautifully made garment is diminished by my foul mood. Oh, totally. And you make more mistakes. And then the more mistakes you ma make, the matter you get. Like, it's time to put the seam ripper down and just you know, walk away. Walk away. So I, walk I have away. what I call the three stupid mistake rule. When I have made the third stupid mistake <laughs> in a day, it's time to shut down. Like, you know, I've sewn the sleeve to the neck hole instead of the arm side. Um, I forgot to re, to, re, uh, uh, um, to change the needle and now I've perforated the hell out of the leather and the whole thing's ruined. Uh, even mm -hmm. right down to I, I uh, am sewing without a bobbin. Three stupid mistakes and I'm done. And that's, that seems counterintuitive. It seems like, well, if you're finishing at, at three hours because you've made three stupid mistakes, you're not. No, because if I kept sewing, I would cost myself two days and damaging things and yep. sewing them incorrectly. It takes way longer to remove seams from silk or leather than it does to put them in. Yeah, and if you have a sewing house, people doing that for you, great, bully for you. However, <laughs> just one person, I, you're just one I person. Have. Oh, it's so nice. I mean, you have, mm. you've experienced that too, having a, a crew uh, doing things for you so yep. that you could be the designer. Um, and, mm -hmm. and like me, you also love to make. And like me, you yeah. love textiles. I, I honor the I'm a first sample girl. With. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, honey, we, we're almost at an hour and, and we're trying to keep these mm -hmm. between 30 and 45. But I think it's okay that we've gone to almost an hour because it is our first 
subject related. That's our introductory. At least I'll maybe end up being an hour. Uh, let us know if you're a listener and a subscriber. Let us know if that's way too long, um, and and we can we can truncate and uh, edit down. Um, but anytime this amazing lady and I get together to chat about all things fashion, it, it, it's uh, it's an enriching um, experience for me, and hopefully it is for you too. I love you, Megan. Yeah, I, I love you too. And I want to let everybody know that they can find all of our episodes on our website. And just as soon as we get our links from the major carriers for podcasts, we'll have those up too. But right now they can always find us at advancedfashiondisruption.com. Yay. And by the way, the website is looking so good. I'm finally kind of getting a handle on it and I've made some more changes I'm even so um, since the last time yeah, we talked. I'm so excited. I, I, I know that you can see that I'm on it, but I, I and that's not me checking <laughs> up on you, just so you know. That's me that's fair. Um, enthusing my day. That's part of how I'm getting back to my tables, is, is watching oh, uh, this project that we're both so passionate about actually bearing fruit. And and uh, my gallery is up today, I hear. Yeah, your gallery's up. And I think we're all headed towards this fashion healing that's just going to make us all better. Shit. All Thank around. You. I almost named my section "Shit He Do." <laughs> oh, has it not repopulated? No, no, it, it has. It, it's now it's Gay Benson. But you know, being a Detroiter, that's that's just something that I hear a lot. "Shit He Do," and I thought, well, that's really mm -hmm. what I should call it because this is just the shit that I do. But um, <laughs> I really hope that you all are enjoying. We love feedback. Reach out, um, ask questions. If there's something you want to hear us talk about, let us know. And I'm gonna wish you a good day, Miss Megan. I love you mm -hmm. hard, and I am so excited to be on this journey with you. I love you, too, and I uh, can't wait to put up the rest of this week's um, Facebook about Benson posts. Uh, you know, I now um, I have to brag on I'm you. like, oh, good God, now I have to do the same shit. It's okay, though, because when I went on my deep dive uh, uh, um, uh, to get you to do your own bio, uh, I found... <laughs> <laughs> Like when your husband and your business partner are both telling you that you need a bio, maybe. Bio. No, but I, I get it. It's really hard to write about myself. But I did a deep dive on you, and, and there's actually a lot of stuff that I'm going to want to share, too. And uh, it's exciting to share information about somebody that I respect so much and about whose work is so extraordinary. And I think we should stop calling it lingerie and just start calling it mini couture. Bedroom. I, it's bedroom couture. Like there's gotta be some some German word for right? it, right? <laughs> like in Is it the German it, word brazier. It might be, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I am. I'm ready to break out of this mold of people really categorizing what I do. Of like, oh, it's too pretty to cover up. I, I think, <laughs> so, I think like, okay, don't call it call it uh, loungewear, call it boudoir mm -hmm. wear, call it call it uh, you know. I don't know. It's just beautiful. If you haven't seen Megan's work, do the research. She is a brilliant designer, a, a, a super talented technician, and an all-around really good person. What was the card you pulled for us this week, Megan? Um, so I pull a creator card for us every single Monday. Um, and um, this particular card read, The Edge of Evolution Feels messy and so this is from the creator sacred creators oracle <laughs> and um it is it's messy uh, uh, and i just wrote a couple of days ago that um the people who who wanted to be a part of the fashion industry should join our evolution i prefer evolution to revolution 
no one gets shot mm -hmm. in an evolution. I yeah, and I feel like people could really, really evolve to something that serves them and their art because all of this is art and that creates a space where we're nurtured instead of chat like chattel right, you know right. that that's this this okay well you know i own this fashion scene in this town and if you don't play by my rules you can't be part of the cool kid club is garbage because that's not going to sell you anything anyway right, right. It's, so it's, that's fine egotistical self-serving abomination um but i think that um this these messy edges that we're really trying to to fit together and create a um, metaphorical quilt for all of us to stay warm and um, really kind of cover each other's butts because nobody else has the designer or any of these um, hierarchical um, tasks within that fashion field. They have none of our interests at heart um, at the end of the day, at this romanticized view of fashion, they just right. don't. It's projection. Y'all are projecting. Mm -hmm. You think that, that, that the guy's in love with you and really all he wants to do is put you on the corner and turn a profit with you. Yeah. And that you deserve more, guys. You deserve more. All of you well, amazing uh, people. Well, you I want more. more. I, and I deserve, we all deserve more. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're literally clothing the planet. Like, let us be happy. Let us be bountiful. Let us be fruitful. Let us be in, in uh, an industry that is no longer abusive. Yeah. All right. That's all I have to say. My dog is letting me know that she would like to please go outside to bark at people. Oh, fun. Yeah. I think we're going to do that here, that's too. Right. I really love talking yeah, to you. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning in to listen to Advanced Fashion Disruptions podcast. We've enjoyed having you. We hope that we are edifying your understanding of the fashion industry. If you'd like to know more about us or if you'd like to reach out to contact us, please visit our website, www.advancedfashiondisruption.com.